When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. got it done folks power to the people greg shiano what is old is what's new head football coach rutgers university i mean guys i gotta tell you this has been i just don't know where to begin this has been like i mean i liken it to binge watching a really good show on netflix because when it's over you're like oh my god that was awesome and you know then you keep thinking back like oh i completely forgot that happened I mean, there's so much stuff happened in the past week to get this thing done, to bring Greg Channel back as Rutgers coach. I mean, I, I, it's, just, it's just remarkable, everything that transpired in the, in the over Thanksgiving weekend. Deal is dead on Sunday. It's alive the next Sunday. I, I'm still, I am literally still trying to process it all. I didn't think this fan base had it in them to have this reaction. Uh, it is, of course, absolutely typical that it became a political thing in New Jersey because, hey, it's New Jersey. And it, it, you know, someone said to me this, someone said, this would make a great documentary. And when people say that, I usually laugh like, yeah, sure, right, whatever. But I'm not so, not so sure they're wrong that this might be, you know, a pretty good, you know, 30 for 30 someday. Sarge, I just, you know, I'm going to throw it open. I mean, what to you is the thing that sticks out over the past week that's just, that still makes you scratch your head? Uh, the fact that we can all take a nice long vacation now, now yeah. that it's over. Oh, yeah, that's that. yeah. <laughs> um, Listen, I mean, I talked to probably about seven people yesterday who who have been sweating it out, uh, people on both sides of it. And it's just relief. I mean, because this was and we talked about this early on. This was the the one guy who who checked off all the boxes. He made the most sense. Everyone understands that this rebuilding job is is as difficult as it was back in 2000 when Graciano first inherited it. Who else can can I mean, there are other coaches uh, of, of quality out there for sure. But. Who else is the one guy who, who has done it before? The only guy to do it before he's he, he's available. By all accounts, he wanted the job. It just made perfect sense. It made perfect sense, and yet it almost didn't happen, Cratch. And I guess that I come back to that a lot. Just how you know how close do you think we were to this thing imploding? And when you look back at it now, are you surprised we're sitting here today that this thing got done? I always felt at the beginning when they fired Ash that Greg was going to be the coach. I I just didn't know how it was all going to unfurl. I just always thought in the back of my head that odds were better than not that Greg was going to be the coach. But I'll be honest with you, I thought it was dead yeah. because 
and where where it really where it really started to change, in my opinion, was Tuesday night at the rack, because one, you know, the the I the the lack of outcry, um, from the fan base, like everyone talked a big game on the message boards and on Twitter, and then there were like three signs at the rack, you know, late arriving protests that night, and I thought, okay, like Rutgers may have kind of may have, you know, weathered the storm, basically. You know, I thought Sunday was rough, Monday was rough, but I was like, hey, maybe they've kind of, maybe they've yeah. out, everyone, that Procyano crowd's kind of out, punch, punch itself out, and now they're going to be okay. But that night, I, I talked to a couple of donors, and they and they were saying, you know, uh, you know, I, I heard Greg, he'll reconsider, you know, Greg's come back to the table. And, and, like, you didn't know if it was just them, like, being optimistic or, like, some of these people were high enough that they could have talked to Greg and like, you know, is Greg kind of telling them what they want to hear trying to like let them down. But it turned out that was right. You know, that was the beginning of something in hindsight where there was something brewing and we broke the story Wednesday that, you know, that there was optimism growing optimism behind the scenes. They can get back to the table. They got back to the table. And I will tell you that it was when Sarge called me, um, I think it was like 1250 in the morning and I was on route one after we had just uh, <laughs> dropped off at the office from our, where I was our, our rendezvous point, drive back from Penn state. You're talking um, about Saturday. You're talking. Yeah. Okay. Saturday, yeah. I, I just, I was just kind of like, like one, thank God this is over with. <laughs> right. Two. I mean, it really is. I think sometimes we're so, so deep in it. We can't really, like, it's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think you're actually right. You're the greatest you know, kind of stories in college football history that this he's coming back to the kingdom he built, you know, at its greatest hour of need after all that's happened. Right. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, I think your timeline is exactly right, too. <clears throat> Tuesday night, I went to bed thinking, forget it, forget it, this is over, woke up Wednesday, and it just, it was just the shuttle, it was a subtle shift in conversations with people that they're like, well... I don't know if it's, you know, well, there's a chance he might be willing. And then from there, it took off. <clears throat> I want to talk about the people we think are most responsible for making this happen. And, you know, I asked each one of you to come up with one. I've got my own, you know, when you look at this Sarge and you're going through, you know, what happened behind the scenes suddenly to make this a reality, do you have one person who you're like, okay, this is the guy who is maybe, you know, one, a couple of notches above the rest as far as pulling the strings to, to get this done? So if you talk to some Rutgers people um, who, who were privy to the negotiations, they, they will credit, believe it or not, uh, former Governor Chris Christie. And I know it sounds crazy, Steve and, and, and James, because um, we, we lived it. And on Monday, um, went, went right in, during the fervor where, where donors are, 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 are uh, saying that they're not going to donate anymore. Fans are, 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 are on the ledge. Chris Christie throws a you know lights a uh, powder keg, you know, <laughs> yeah. by, by pretty much saying that you know Greg Schiano, uh, more than anything, like with, his demands were crazy, and he wasn't all in on the job. He just didn't want the job, is what he said. Right. And yeah. if you talk, and how, you know, so what the point is, there are, are people inside who were privy to the negotiations who believe that was a catalyst to. Yeah. to Getting Graciana back to the table. I love it. There's like little, there's a little embers there that are still glowing, and here, com- here comes our fa- our favorite former governor with just now, a thing of gasoline, and all of a sudden. Now I know you asked for one person. I'm going to give you two others. Okay, now uh, former governor, you know, current state senator uh, Richard Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he was he's very close to Graciano. He has made 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 it clear early on he he endorsed him throughout the process. Um, he made no secret that he was talking to to, to Greg and and people inside inside there and, and people at Rutgers as well. But he I think he was the one who who kind of really um, spurred uh, current governor Phil Murphy into yeah. getting involved. Now the current governor um, has really stopped short of saying that like he was intimately involved, but he has conceded um, that that he talked with Graciano throughout the process. Just that involvement, um, I think, really helped push the uh, the uh, the deal forward. It kept the momentum going. It showed that state lawmakers, uh, while Rutgers is a place that generally uh, does not like political interference, it showed that state lawmakers are on board and that whatever that they, they want to do going forward with facilities and stuff like that, that they're going to support. I think Phil Murphy, uh, Richard Cody, and I guess to the you know if you want if 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 you want to uh, give Rutgers officials uh, you know and, and uh, you know their due. Um, and when they say that Chris Christie uh, served as a catalyst, those three people, I think, really uh, helped uh, keep the momentum going. Okay, can you throw in, the, uh, throw in any other governors? Maybe Corzine? Give me a little Christy Todd Whitman here. <laughs> Brendan Byrne, maybe. Brendan Byrne, Brendan Byrne yeah. just came in at the last minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chris Christie actually like, drove <laughs> Pat to, you know. <laughs> It'd be great. I've got a lot of living former governors, don't we? All right, Cratch, who do you got in, in this, in this uh, scenario? What person do you think made the biggest difference? I think Eric Legrand did. Yeah, yeah. I think Eric. I think that people at Rutgers sense the anger and, and the emotion in his voice. I mean, you know, you know, shout out to the kids at WRSU who do a great job every day. They didn't, you know, ask Eric to be interviewed. Eric just called in yeah. himself that night. I think it was Monday night. I think people, you know, and, and what he tweeted, and obviously, I think. His column that ran on the front page of the Star Ledger uh, on Thursday morning, on Thanksgiving morning, I think was a gut punch for a lot of people. It was an amazing tone, and I want to I want to uh, just cut you off one second, Cratch. Uh, Steve Politi deserves a lot of credit. I know he's gonna gonna shy away from this, but he deserves a lot of credit for 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 working with Eric, um, uh, you know, on that column, and you know, basically, um, you know. Convincing Eric to 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 to, uh, to write it. Um, didn't take I much agree with you. It didn't take much convincing. But either way, the, the Rutgers fans should know that that Steve was 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 uh, pivotal in, in in that column. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Well, I, I just think I think Eric is a guy who you know, no one at Rutgers wants to disappoint Eric. Everyone at Rutgers, you know, is there for Eric at any moment. And, and I think that the fact that he, everything about him is so pure and well intentioned. And the fact that he stood up for Greg like that, I, I think also Ryan Hart, I think did a, did a tremendous job, at, you know, kind of mobilizing the alumni. Um, yeah. But I would, say, I would say Eric, I think Eric, this, you know, he moved the needle because he's the, mo I mean, and he is the most prominent former Rutgers football player, even the NFL guys, I think, and he's the guy who people listen and they don't want to disappoint him, and I, I think he really. You know, no matter what happened, whether they they hired Greg or they didn't hire Greg, they had to, they could not burn the bridge with Eric Legrand at Rutgers, and I think that they realized that, and I think they realized how serious and important it was to him, and that made a major impact for a lot of people in power who could make it happen. There's no question. I believe that that absolutely it touched the heartstrings. Uh, my choice on this list uh, is Greg Shannon himself, and and 
you know, we, we talked a lot about what qualities people were looking for in the next coach and people were like, well, we need an offensive coach. Well, we need a program builder, a head coach. We think you're overlooking just how much it matters for the Rutgers football coach to understand New Jersey. And so when this thing blew up on Sunday, and I, I think if we put, we hooked them up to the lie detector, uh, Greg, Greg would say to you, yeah, it was done, but it wasn't done because he knew enough about how this state works that it's not going to be the athletic director's final say, certainly. It's not going to be the president of the university's final say. You know, he knew that, that, that the, the, you know, the mechanism behind, behind the scenes in this state, which politicians were going to have an uproar, where, what buttons to push. You know, I think he did a lot of that. Uh, and I'm not saying he, he pulled out of the deal knowing this was going to happen. I don't think he possibly could have recognized just how uh, loud the outpouring would be. But once it became clear that people wanted to bring him back to the table, like like Gov like uh, Senator Cody and the you know a lot of others uh, in, involved in that, I think he played I think he played it to his advantage because at that point, all right, look look, you want me to come back to the table? Well, it's got it's got to get done that time. Uh, and I I think you know it, it was brilliant the way he, he you know he got what he needed without you know this is he's never going to have more negotiating power than this and for him to come in here already with we don't know what it is yet but armed with something that says this facility is going to get built all right well now he's one step ahead of the game right already before he gets on campus at least he knows this is going to happen and i i, I gotta i gotta give him a lot of credit because he's already one to know um to coin kyle flood's favorite uh, phrase uh, with the way he handled this thing so, Steve, let me uh, piggyback off that. Um, there, there are people who believe that uh, what Greg Schiano did, you know, by by um, by reportedly uh, withdrawing, you know, pulling out, that that was a power play on his part. Uh, do you buy that? Do you buy that? You know, that that this was a deliberate move for him to, you know, it was a power play at that point. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was. It's thirty percent possible, but seventy percent likely not. And I, I think he was just very frustrated. That's the sense I get talking to people who know him that. You know, he, he was he believed he came to the table with reasonable demands uh, and that he wasn't sure he, who he was negotiating with, uh, that things changed behind the scene, that, you know, that, you know, and then certainly, of course, the way it happened after he pulled out. I mean, everyone around him thought he was absolutely, you know, just done with the place based on what, you know, the way people, uh, you know, the way he was ripped behind the back and just that stadium story and several other things. So, you know. I don't know. I, I certainly I understand people who have that theory that he did this. He orchestrated this whole thing from from the start. I just don't quite believe that that's the case. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we're going into board of governors meeting tomorrow. Press conference. We think maybe Wednesday. Uh, my question to you is this: When we get, we're going to finally have a chance to ask Shiano questions. I mean, he's not talked to the media since he left New England, essentially, other than a you know a couple of couple of questions at the New Jersey Hall of Fame ceremony when we inducted uh, Jerry Eisenberg. So what do you want to hear from him? I mean, it, what do you think is the most pressing thing that we don't know? Sorry, you go first. Tell me, what, what are you looking forward to uh, getting an answer to? I want to know what's his plan. What, what, you know, what exactly is his plan to, to rebuild this the second time around? Because, you know, and we've talked about this before, it, in so many ways, it's as difficult or if not even more difficult of a challenge to, to, to rebuild it than the one that he inherited. And it took, you know, it took about five years, four, four or five years to really get that program you know, on the right track. So what's his plan to do it now? Um, people who, who have, have uh, spoken with him in the, in the last couple of weeks believe that he's going to hit the transfer portal hard and he's going to try to flip the roster. How long can, it, uh, yeah. can, can that happen? Is this a program that can go maybe 
four and eight next year and then maybe contend for a bowl in, in year two. Um, you know, I want to know what, what, what the plan of action is. Yeah, sorry, and that's interesting, sorry, because last time he did this, the rebuild, there were no shortcuts. And he made a point of that. He was going to build the foundation, he was going to be solid, that whole thing. Transfer portal is different, though, right? I mean, that is a different way of approaching it than, than picking up a couple of you know, people here and there and building with, with freshmen. Oh, there's no question. I mean, I think now, now more than ever, I mean, you know, there, there's so many guys you know, I, I, on, on the Rutgers team alone right, right. now. There, you know, there are about 12 guys in it. <clears throat> uh, from from uh, talking to various sources, I believe he's going to, to try to convince Art Sikowski to stay, as well as Raheem Blackshear, uh, two of the m- more pivotal offensive players on, uh, you know, on, the, on the team. Um, I think he's going to try to get another tra- uh, grad transfer quarterback. I think he's going to try to, you know, bolster that position as much as possible. It'll be interesting to see, you know, exactly what scheme he runs, and maybe Crash can speak to that, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more later as far as coaching staff. But you know, as, as I think he's going to try to 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 get as many guys who can compete right away as possible. Cratch, what's your first question? My first question for him. Well, I have two of them. My first question is, what does he think of? what's happened this last week yeah. what does he have to say to the fans to who rose up for him um and you know frankly he's never discussed tennessee i'm sure he doesn't really want to discuss it but like he's been through this like how what does it feel like for him after that happened for it to go the complete opposite way um and for this to work you know for these fans to stand up i mean what did that mean to him personally professionally did that. And the other thing I have for question is, you know, when he came here the first time, 19 years ago, you know, he, he talked about winning a national championship and he got everybody fired up. Is he going to, you know, stand up there Wednesday, we think it is, and say, I'm, I'm coming back because I want to, we need to win a national title. Is he going to put the Big Ten title, the Rose Bowl, the national title, is he going to put that on the table or is he going to kind of have modest expectations? Um, you know, because I know, you know, I, Scott Goodale, it, it, you know, when he kind of did the same thing when he got the job, he started talking about like national championships and winning a team title. And I think there were some points during the process where he kind of regretted, you know, saying, making those big proclamations early on. Now, obviously, it's happened now. So it, it paid off. But I'm, I'm intrigued. What is, what is Greg's vision for Rutgers football five years from now, 10 years from now? Is it to win a national title? Is it to go to the playoff? Or is he just going to? keep it as simple as we're just going to get better every day. That's a really good one. That, and that, you know, uh, it'd be fascinating to see if he does that because people really did laugh at him when he said national championship in 2000, 2001, I'm sorry. So uh, it'll be, it'll be quite a shift if he does it again. Um, I think my first question, I got two, but I have got a very specific one. I want to know what kind of offense he's going to run. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I, I, obviously it's out there. I we think it's a spread, but he didn't run it. Last time he was here, who's his coordinator going to be? I mean, that to me, is the biggest short-term thing that will impact the direction of this program. The biggest long-term thing is I want to know whose boss is going to be. And I don't know, I don't know if that's a question you're going to be able to ask. I'm just kind of fascinated by the dynamic now. If it's really going to be Pat Hobbs, and you know, look, oh, we can we can discuss it, but he screwed this up seven ways to Sunday. There's no way, there's no, there's no possible way that you can sugarcoat what happened here. He, he fired Chris Ash too soon. He didn't anticipate kids going to the transfer portal. He fired John McNulty when he shouldn't have. I mean, you know, just the whole, the, the, he waited too long to start the search. He, you know, he, he didn't have Greg on his candidates. He under, he underestimated the reaction to Greg Shannon, the whole thing to, 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 to the very end. 
the fact he's still here to me is, is, is the typical Rutgers part of this. And I'm just curious to see, you know, how that dynamic's going to work. Is he going to go up there and try to say, you know, this was our guy all along? I mean, his statement, what was it? What was it, Cratch? Path to, or path to greatness? What, what did he say exactly? Rutgers football's on the path to greatness. On the path to greatness. I mean, it's, you know, I, I just, I'm just curious how long he's going to be the athletic director and what Greg is going to say publicly. Is he going to throw him a lifeline? Is he going to be tepid in his, in his support? I mean, Sarge, it, it, just playing off that, I mean, what do you think is going to happen here behind the scenes? How long is Hobbs going to be in this job? Is there a path where he is standing there and the Mammoth game, open, season opener, still the athletic director? Okay, a few things about that. And um, I'll be perfectly honest. And I, I, I'm sure, Steve, because you worked the phones and Cratch, you worked the phones as well. There are a lot of big money people who have lost confidence in Pat Hobbs. And that's just from, and that's, I'm just uh, being as honest as possible. Um, that is just from uh, the last couple of weeks of the search. There are people who have lost confidence in, in him. I think that might be even an, an understatement. Yeah. That being said, there was a time not so long ago uh, where Pat Hobbs was the most popular person on campus. And, you know, had, had probably, uh, you know, as much respect as you know, any AD that that's ever been at, been been at Rutgers for for the for the fundraising that he did, uh, being able to change the narrative for, from the uh, Julie Herman uh, debacle, you know. So, which Pat Hobbs is he? You know, is he the guy who who uh, like you said bungled uh, 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 the search seven different ways? The one who's lost confidence in in, in a large se- segment of the of, of the big money people, or is he the guy who raised a hundred million dollars in a very short period of time? built buildings, you know, in an unprecedented fashion at Rutgers. Um, we've talked about this before. You wrote a column not so long ago where uh, you, you could see, having no, known uh, uh, both Graciano and Pat Hobbs, that they could work very well together because Graciano, his first time around, one of his biggest challenges was whenever he asked for something, the first answer was no. Whereas Pat Hobbs, in his three years, four years as the AD, you know, is able to get 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 yeses uh, more often than not. So um, you would agree that the two months of the past have made that hard to believe. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. And there's a you know, it's going to probably more than anything going to be a matter of checking egos at the door and 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 do, uh, doing what's best at Rutgers. Um, I think knowing the, the two uh, two of them, I think they're going to try to make it work. Whether it can, because again, it's an ego driven business. Whether they can make it work, time will tell. But I think they're going to try to. To uh, make it work for the, for the best of, of, of Rutgers. Cratch, do you agree? I mean, we could have a new president here. Another thing to the dynamic, add to the, the dynamic. I think a lot of people looking at that as the moment where there's a new athletic director too. What do you think? I think that I heard from people that Greg is you know receptive, open to working with Pat, which I, th- I think is a, is a is a good step given even everything that's that's going on here. Uh, but I, the one thing I'll say is that. Greg is like most, you know, when Chris Ash needed something, he had to call his athletic director. Greg can call the governor of New Jersey. Yeah, yeah I know. You know he can, or the former governor or this guy or that guy. So I almost wonder if, if you know, as long as the two of them can kind of, you know, w- work together in, in good faith, I tend to think that if Greg wants something, he's going to get be able to have people say yes to him. And it's almost going to be a situation where, you know, it, it, I don't think it's going to be Greg says I need this, and Pat has to find a way to make it happen. I think it's almost going to be like Greg tells Pat, "Hey, we need to do this," 
and this person is going to make us whether it's booster or donor you know mark angelson greg brown phil murphy you know someone like that's why i think i think greg is almost at the point now where he's not really reliant on pat you know as a football coach ad and i think pat can also basically know that if he wants to focus on other things that Greg is going to handle the football just fine. All right, let's dive into true or false. I got some good ones for you this week. Uh, you know how it works. True or false, Greg Shannon will get this team back to a bowl next season. Cratch, true or false? False. Sarge? False. Greg Shannon will get this team back to a bowl in 2021. Cratch, true or false? Uh, I'm going to say false. Sarge? True. True, Okay. Greg Shane, I'll get this team back to a bowl in 2022. That would be for you, Cratch, seeing where your your level is here, true or false? True. You true. think three years, all right? Yeah. Uh, I think three is the optimistic one. I think two is probably too soon. True or false, Art Sikowski is going to stick around, Cratch. Uh, I will say true at this point. Sarge? True. True or false, Raheem Blackshear is going to stick around, Cratch? I'll say false. Sarge? False. false. True or false, Nunzio Campanile is going to be on the staff next season. Cratch. I'm going to say false. Wow. Sarge? False. Right, we'll get back to that one in a minute. Uh, true or false, the 2019 Rutgers season will be remembered as one of the Big Ten's worst teams. True or false, Cratch? True. Sarge? True, and I, I don't want to, to in any way, uh, you know, put it all on the players because they dealt with a, you know, an unprecedented amount of adversity. Uh, we use that term all the time as far as adversity, but, um, you know, from the, 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 the hand that they were dealt with, um, true the results, true. But, you know, I'm, I, 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 I want to stop short of saying, blaming it on the players. <clears throat> true or false, the Penn State effort is proof that this program isn't as far away as we might have thought. Cratch, true or false? Ah, uh, I will say true, but we'll caveat. We'll get back to okay. it. Right. I mean, you, you you were in the press box talking about the quarterback situation two years in a row. Penn State. Yeah, was, was, yeah that's what I might say. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a tough one. Um, uh, false. false. True or false? This whole episode with Shiano is a lot like what happened in Tennessee, except people in Tennessee are backwards, angry, and evil. True or false? Cratch. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I like to. I just like to kind of be, you know, grace gracious with them because they live in Knoxville. <laughs> All right, Sarge. Oh, this is an inside joke, folks. My wife is from Tennessee. That's why I'm doing this. And uh, her her parents were up here for Thanksgiving weekend, and so this this is this is kind of an inside joke that she will not hear because, of course, she does not listen to the podcast. Yeah, um, depends on what part of Tennessee. Because I love Nashville; yeah, it's one of my sure. favorites. Yeah, that's uh, not that part. You... That's there's a lot of between. There's a lot of other things in Tennessee uh, in Nashville, including Clay Travis. All right, we'll skip that one. True or false? Listening to Cratch on a road trip is a splendid idea. Sarge, is that true or false? Ooh, can I go no comment on that one? Or... <laughs> well, I don't know what is happened. A, I didn't make it in between. <laughs> no, it was, it was fine. I just it heard there fine. was there was the, you got Brian Fonseca in the back seat. And he really starved to death. Yeah. He was texting me like, "Please send help. I, I haven't eaten in, in days. I don't know." What <laughs> and, 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 and I will pin a little bit of that on Cratch because we we you know we left around, I guess around eight eight o'clock on on a Saturday morning. It's normally about a three and a half hour drive, and we're probably about um, an hour away from um, Penn State. And at that point, we're like, "Let's go have some breakfast." So we're looking for the next rest stop, and the next rest stop had the McDonald's and Arby's, you know, a Burger King. 
and Cratch pulls off, and uh, the McDonald's is under renovation. But then Cratch, you know, I'm like, well, let's go to the Burger King. And Cratch is like, no, we can, you know, Burger King. I mean, you know, wow. it was that, you know, it, yeah, he, he was dead set against Burger King. He's like, we could do better. Let's hop back on the interstate. Folks, <laughs> it was probably another 30 miles before there was any food. I don't know what people do to eat in, 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 in central Pennsylvania. I just, I, I have no idea. But in that span of time, we lost Fonseca. Um, He's a nice kid. I liked him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, but, you know, malnutrition is, 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 is a real thing and it's tough. And Cratch, you know, has a little bit of blood on his hands for, for, for that. Um, I mean, we did find a diner. Uh, Twilight the diner, diner. Twilight Diner. It was Logan, Pennsylvania. Logan. Huh? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Looks, looks, uh, right. I missed all this. That's not. Yeah, no, the, the Twilight Diner was good, but unfortunately we lost Ponce. That's a shame. Well, anyway. All right. <laughs> what do you want to address here? We want to address the bowl. Sorry, do you really think two years for bowls? I do. Um, because I think, well, I think two things. I think one, uh, we, we, we talked about Penn State, uh, that effort, and I, you know, I, I think that might be a, you know, overly uh, simplistic to say that effort you know, shows that they're not that far away because I think Penn State, end of the season, quarterback issues you know Penn State has so much more talent than Rutgers um but the rest of the Big Ten and we've talked about this before you know there there there, there are wins available whether it's Maryland Illinois right. uh you know in crossover uh Indiana um there are going to be uh wins available uh the Big Ten just you know outside of Ohio State um and Penn State and and, and Michigan um maybe Wisconsin on the other side you know there, there are winnable games they you know, played competitively against Iowa in the not so distant past. I mean, th- there are going to be uh, wins available. Um, the the whole you know notion that the Big Ten is this you know juggernaut beast that is un- uh, untamable probably isn't true. I think he's going to try to flip the roster and get get um, talented players in a, in a hurry. And I think that's uh, going to be the reason why I think they could go six and six. And I will two. say that I just pull up. I'll look at the same thing you are, Crash. Go ahead. I mean, if you're thinking the, the schedule, right? No, I pulled the 2021 yeah. schedule. So they play Temple at home, at Syracuse, home against Delaware. Okay, let's give them three and zero. Right, you're gonna you're going to Michigan. You're gonna lose there, but you got to buy. You got an open date. Then you get Maryland at home. That could be four wins. At Illinois, at Indiana, maybe you get one of those. That's five. At Northwestern, yeah. Michigan State at home. I could see them f- getting their. Uh, they, they would have to probably win. At least two out of three of the of the road games against Northwestern, Illinois, and Indiana, and you probably have to beat Syracuse on the road. So it's not you know like snap your fingers and it's going to happen. But I could see it happening. I, I just think twenty twenty two. Let me put it this way: I bet you they're in bowl contention in twenty twenty one. Maybe they go like you know five and seven, four and eight, a couple of close losses. But then again, in twenty twenty two, you start the year at BC at Temple, at Ohio. You know, so it, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think. I'll say 2022, but honestly, looking at it, the 2021 schedule might be a little bit more favorable. Yeah, it's a shame because they're obviously still going to be, I think, talent-wise, uh, a couple of recruiting classes away from that point. Uh, all right, and, and remember, this is a team that lost combined 355 to 51 in Big Ten play. Just keep that in mind. It's yes, always- that is true. All right, Rutgers Insider questions. I got to tell you, people, I, I, you know, I felt like it was it was really like. <laughs> like a therapy session with the Rutgers Insider. We added so many new subscribers. I'm kind of, I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it feel, it's actually pretty gratifying because people seem to really like it. And uh, 
and the more people who come aboard, it's clearly happening by word of mouth, nj.com slash text. So we appreciate all of you. And each week we're gonna let you give us some questions. Uh, first one from friend of the podcast, Ayaz. Uh, how quickly do they put the staff together? I mean, what, how, how, how long is this process gonna take to add staff? And will there be any former players on the staff, do you think, Cratch? Go ahead. Great question. I think it might take a little while. I was I was speaking to someone who could be a candidate uh, on the staff, and they said that their dealings with Greg in the past have been that Greg doesn't really. I guess you know when when Greg obviously the Tennessee thing fell through, or when Greg went to the Bucks or anything. Greg is the type of guy who he usually doesn't start making phone calls to people he wants to hire until he is locked in. So the impression I got was that. While Greg might have ideas and Greg might have felt people out, he's not going to necessarily be on the phone with assistant coaches saying, hey, I want you to come work for me until the BOG locks that in yeah. Tuesday morning. Right. And, uh, all right, another staff question. I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I think I don't think it's going to be full of former players. I think if you're looking for a former player, I would say Scott Malone, defensive line coach at oh, Fordham, and Tequan Underwood, who was a wide receivers coach at Lafayette. He's now, I think, a offensive assistant for the Miami Dolphins. Those are the two guys that jump out as guys who, you know, have coached in college, have, are well on their way in their coaching careers. Um, what is the other staff question you All had? Right. <clears throat> to, uh, this is from another uh, question. To me, Greg Shannon needs to get Fran Brown or Anthony Campanile for defensive quarter recruiting and then snag a top OC. Uh, do you think those options are possible? What are you hearing? I think Fran Brown is a guy who I've heard, I, you know, not going to come out and say hard definitively, but I think Fran Brown's in the mix. I think Anthony Campanile in the mix. My personal lean at this point is that it wouldn't shock me if there's no Campanile. Yeah, on the you should ask that about the true or false. You said no to that. I'm a little surprised by that. Why? Yes. I just think it's a situation where I think it's a couple of things. I, mean, I think one, you know, a lot of times the interim coach doesn't, get retained right. um, or if the interim coach gets retained, he's there for a year and then he kind of, it's like kind of like a, a you know, it's, it, you do, it, the new coach does that guy a favor and keeps him employed for a year. And then he's got to, you know, go find something else. Um, but I just also think if, if you're a guy like Nunzio, you, you're young, you're, 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 a lot of people respect the job you did. You just were a head coach in the big 10 for two thirds of a season. And you call plays for two thirds of the season. You might be a guy who wants to, it's better for your career advancement to go out there and, you know, get a job calling plays as a coordinator somewhere or yeah. be, even be an FCS head coach. I mean, you know, I, I think he has enough experience and kind of, you know, name recognition that, like, an NEC job or even an Ivy League job, given, you know, that Bergen Catholic was a, excellent academic institution in Bosco before then, he might be a serious candidate for one of those jobs. So I just think that it, it might be better off for his career to go find a job, you know, somewhere else. And I think that's a, a possibility. I also don't think it, it's a guarantee that Greg's going to necessarily want him on the staff or, you know, have a role that fits him on staff. I mean, I, I mean, just because Greg says, hey, I want you to be the running backs coach doesn't mean that that's something Nunzio wants to do after he basically ran the show for, for yeah, two months. I totally agree. So that's just my, and I think with Anthony, too, like Anthony wants to be a head coach. Well, you know, Greg, Greg I talked to someone who said, you know, Greg's going to run the defense. Yeah. You know, like Chris Ash. It's Greg's defense. So 
do you want to be a defensive coordinator and title only, or do you want to be someplace where you can kind of have more hands-on experience and look for the next big thing? All right, this one's for you, Sarge. Uh, someone <clears throat> asked, where is all the money coming to pay for Shannon's requirements? Uh, is this going to be open for more big donors to pay for it? And along those lines, what do you think has been agreed in regards to the field house? And because the so far it's been very vague, which is true. What do you got? So I will tell you the story real quick um, in that the, the guy who was who, by all accounts, was very pivotal in this um, um, deal was Greg Brown. He's the chairman, uh, the uh, Board of Governors member. He was the former chair of the Board of Governors. Now he's the chair of the Athletics Subcommittee. Um, Greg Ciano was the one who brought him aboard back in the uh, early 2000s. Um, you know, if you remember, if you see photos inside the Hale Center, I, I've seen them online of James Gandolfini, um, you know, on, uh, you know uh, during, during the coin toss, you know, at the Insight Bowl, Greg Brown is in that photo. That was right around the time when Greg Brown was brought aboard. That was Greg Ciano's doing. Greg Ciano has a, an incredible Rolodex of, 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 of supporters, of big money people. Greg Ciano, when, when, the uh, stadium deal, when, when the renovation uh, back in 2008, 2009 was coming together, and then the one thing, the element that they could not get done was a, um, was a recruiting lounge. He was the one who convinced Greg Brown and, and another donor to, 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 to kick in $5 million for it. Um, I say all that because I fully expect Greg Schiano to, to uh, work his, his um, magic. He's going to be a head coach. Back in the day, we you know we've called him the CEO. He's going to be one part CEO, uh, CEO, one part coach, one part fundraiser. I think he's going to you know work his rolodex and 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 try to raise an incredible amount of money because he knows it's going to all have to be raised privately. Right, and then so what? What facility? So okay, uh, assuming he does that, what what do you do? You have any idea what the facility is going to look like? Is it the yeah scaled back version yep. or the the uh, real thing? No. No, it's gonna be the real thing. Um, they, you know, I, I was told by by, by sources in the last uh, twenty four hours that you know they're, that they're you know what I reported the the other day about the one hundred fifty million dollars in facilities uh, upgrades and and and, and uh, new facilities. That's still very much the target. Um, and what that means is we're talking about a field house, we're talking about a football only facility, and we're talking about upgrades to to uh shi stadium and the field house i mean i think i you know reported the, the numbers um might be the cheapest of, of of all of it the football building might be 85 million the field house might be 40 45 million and then the uh uh upgrades to, to, to shi stadium um you know which were, were fully detailed in the, in that um uh, that report that outside report uh, that Rutgers uh, put out last January. Um, apparently, they're they're twenty twenty five million dollars to start. Uh, they're going to want to put uh, luxury uh, uh, suites where the, where the current press box is. They're going to want to try to do that type of stuff to to upgrade and and, and try to make revenue, uh, you know, off luxury boxes and and that that sort of thing. But um, one hundred fifty million dollars is the target, and it all has to be privately Great. raised. That's good. One, I'm gonna say this. I've added it up, and it's one billion dollars. All right, that's gonna be interesting. That's gonna be fascinating because, uh, you know, as you know, this place is already stretched thin. They're borrowing against everything that for the Big Ten money coming forward. I, it's gonna be if he can pull this off. 
He is, uh, he is a Vince Lombardi of fundraising. All right, uh, this is a really, we've got about 40 questions about recruiting. We should have had Todrick on. I apologize. He just got to it late. He's a busy man. <clears throat> okay, the recruiting class is now at 96. What is the realistic benchmark for where Shano can get this class? And then also, you know, what, what is, you know, what are the different uh, dynamic, the dates here uh, as far as this? Do we know how many scholarships he's got left? Cratch, I know this is not necessarily your forte, but do you have any idea as to what he can do recruiting-wise to sort of, uh, you know, improve a class that is there below UMass right now, which is not good? <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, around the start of the season, when, you know, when Ash was still here, I think we were thinking they had, we had about like a 15-man recruiting class, signing class in 2020. Obviously, you can sign 25. I would think with guys going in the portal and, and you know, some guys, you know, who we've learned, you know, because you never know exactly who's got a scholarship. You know, they, they don't really ever – kind of publicize that so i think we've had a couple like for instance a guy like austin rosa who's gonna you know be a grad transfer probably go play you know his final year of college football someplace else he's a scholarship player so that's a scholarship that's freed up that necessarily wasn't being counted back in the summer so i would think now that the class is probably closer to being like 20 players Mm -hmm. but i think the big issue that fans need to realize is that if greg uses a lot of scholarships for transfer portal guys their recruiting class, which is just high school seniors, might still be pretty low nationally, and, and that might be fine with Greg for all we yeah, know. Yeah, he's got to focus. He's got to focus on the the, the junior, he's, yeah, juniors. He's got to look at twenty twenty one. I think at this point too, um, and really, you know, this this is going to be no matter what happens, it's not going to be a great class. I think we can all agree at that. Hey, you mentioned Chris Ash. I've got a Chris Ash question for you, Cratch. I heard a rumor that Chris Ash oh, could be hired at Texas as the defensive coordinator. I didn't hear that rumor. That's fascinating. Uh, if he does, what does that mean for the Rutgers buyout? So, yes, I mean, Texas, obviously, Chris Ash and Tom Herman, a Texas coach, are very close friends from their time at Ohio State. Um, I know they used to talk to each other pretty frequently, you know, when Ash was the, was the coach here. Um, Texas fired, it kind of had their, like, house cleaning yesterday, Sunday. They fired the defensive coordinator, so I would think Chris Ash will be a candidate there, obviously. Chris Ash went and visited Texas after he was fired by Rutgers to kind of consult and help them out as they prepared for Oklahoma. Um, somewhat related story, Drew Maringer got fired from Texas, wow. and it seems like it was kind of an ugly firing. So, and she, I don't know. They were like, you know, I, I'm not going to you know, give credence to all these, but these wild you know, mess, message board rumors about Drew Maringer. It sounds like Drew Maringer was not a popular guy with the Longhorns coaching huh. staff at the mm-hmm. end. Okay. So, uh, nothing, nothing confirmed or reported by you know the Austin American Statesman yeah. or anything or, or the, the sites that cover Texas, but this seems like Drew Maringer got chased out of Austin yeah. Um, yeah. yesterday. So yeah, if if Texas were to hire Ash, obviously whatever he makes would offset the, what Rutgers owes him. But the one thing I will caution is that it's not like on one hand, you know, I think some people are like, well. Is Texas going to give him like fifty grand and, and benefits, and Rutgers has to pay the rest? From what I've seen in the past, that doesn't really happen much as much as you might think it would. It seems like most fired head coaches who get coordinator jobs, they get paid a pretty you know reasonable salary. So I would think you know if Chris Ash goes to Texas and gets paid seven hundred grand, then I think next year he was due to make two point four. So that would mean. Rutgers only had to pay him 1.7 million. So yes, Rutgers is, it 
should be able to save a good amount of coin if Ash gets a job, and I have no reason to think he won't get a job this coming season, whether it's the NFL, Texas, or another college, but it's not like Texas is going to say, well, Chris, we'll give you $2 million to be our defensive coordinator. Right. Suddenly, Rutgers is completely off the hook. All right, here's one. Here's, I got two more for you. We're, we're already over 40 minutes. Great job by us talking as long as we could here. Uh, how long is Shano here for? Come on, guys. He just got here. You wonder how long he's going to stay. Uh, is this his final coaching stop, or can you envision him leaving Rutgers one day to pursue a bigger opportunity? I mean, my initial gut says he's 53. You know, it's going to take him three years to turn this ship around. If he gets it back to eight and four, is he is he really going to jump to – I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible. Sarge, what do you think? Is, is this it? Have we hit the end of the line for, for uh, Greg Shiano, or is, is he still upwardly mobile? Uh, I say this is it. Yeah. And I've been surprised before because, you know, I, I think especially toward the end, you know, he, you know, he, he got a little, um, you know, he wanted to, to pursue the NFL. And, uh, but I think this is it. You know, keep in mind, this is a guy who, uh, while he was at, at Rutgers, he, he, he turned down Michigan, he turned down Miami, two of the, uh, you know, at the time, you know, uh, premier college football programs in the country. Um, you know, one Rutgers booster uh, said, you know, those actions, you know, always proved that, you know, there wasn't another college that he, he'd rather coach than, than Rutgers. Um, you know, the NFL, he tried, you know, didn't work. And I don't see him, you know, get, getting a, a, a call on, a, on another NFL job ever again. So, I think this is it. You know, you're right. It would take him to 61. He'll probably get a you know new contract if, if he does have success. You know, at, you know, at some point, you know, you know, in year four probably. But um, I think you know, by by all accounts, this is going to be the destination job for him. All right, and finally, will Rutgers compete for a natty in my lifetime? By the way, I'm 30 years old now. Well, 30 years old, you probably could live another 50 years. It might not be football then. I mean, who, who the hell knows? There might not be. There not, might not be a planet by the time you're dead if you're 30 years old. Uh, so yeah, that's a tough question. Is Rutgers ever going to compete for a national championship, Cratch? Ever's a long time. Probably not. Yeah. But here's but here's the thing about college football, like, and I feel like the playoff has kind of distorted the view for a lot of younger fans. And I'm 32, so I'm not like trying to talk down to the kids here. There's only like eight teams every every given year that can actually win a national yes. title. And some years there's like three teams that can do it. College football was never supposed to be. There's a re, there was a reason why for a hundred years we just made up the national champion on paper at the end of the year. This has always been a sport that's been about winning your rivalry games, winning your conference finally get to the best bowl game you can as a reward. It's never been a sport driven by the national title. That's always been something that I understand it's become prominent now because people want you know, to play it on the field, and that's fine. But if you're Rutgers, you should not wake up every day. I understand why Greg Shannon said it 19 years ago. He might say it again this week. National championship is not what should drive Rutgers football. What should drive Rutgers football, because I know people have kind of mocked him for it recently, and I think they're wrong. Pat Hobbs was right to say, I want to go to the Rose Bowl. You're in the Big Ten. If you're a member of the Big Ten, your goal should be the Rose Bowl because that means you won the conference and you're going to the most you know, storied, prestigious event in the sport. Wait. So that's what should drive Rutgers. Hang on, I'm Rose getting Bowl. a call, uh, Cratch. It's from, it, look, it's from Pat. He wants to know if you're available to be hired. He wants to hire you as his PR person. Interesting. I, I don't know how he heard this. He, he listening. He's listening as we're talking. It's amazing. Um, 
Crash, as you're as your age, and I would advise you to to, to bilk Rutgers for as much. They apparently have a lot of food. put your card in the Rutgers ATM and take as much cash as you can. Seven figures, Crash. Seven figures. All right, that was great. Thank you for your questions. We, I mean, you had like ninety of them. I couldn't get to them all. I apologize for that. Let's talk. Anything else? Hoops? Uh, any wrestling updates? What do we got before we sign off? Uh, first wrestling, you know, the first Big Ten duel meet of the season, Saturday, okay. 7 p.m. at the Rack. They're going to wrestle Maryland. Uh, they should roll Maryland. Maryland's probably the, is the weakest program in the Big Ten. Um, I think Hoops is at Pitt on t- tomorrow night, Tuesday yes. night. So that's going to be a test for them. Women's basketball won their little their tournament, uh, Thanksgiving t- weekend tournament down in the Bahamas. So they're on a roll. Um, I actually have a women's basketball AP Top 25 vote. I have the Scarlet Knights in there at the bottom. I think, you know, like 22, 23. And uh, no, I mean, Seton Hall game in a couple of weeks. That's good. Like, that's what I'm really interested to see because, you know, Steve Peichel, you know, went out there and passionately defended Pat Hobbs when this is all kind of falling apart. And honestly, I was a little surprised that some fans were kind of, you know, we're not happy with that. So this is a big stretch here with Pitt, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan State, you know, Wisconsin here, Michigan State on the road. I think I flipped windows. To, I think Michigan State's it's at Pitt, at Michigan State, home against Wisconsin, home against Seton Hall. Um, my understanding is that they're already kind of talking about, you know, sell out for Seton Hall. I could see Greg being at that game with recruits and then taking the mic at halftime and addressing the crowd. So. I, I think this is a big kind of four-game stretch for Steve Peichel and for Rutgers men's basketball. We're going to get a really good idea of where this season is going as these next four games unfold. All right, Sarge, final thought. Let, have it. What do you got? I just, I mean, I guess. <laughs> You're fried. You know, I haven't covered this for 20 years. No, I haven't covered this for 20 years. I will say this. I, I remember that night, and you were there too at, at Rutgers back in uh, January of 2012. Um, and we both went on, you know, to, to Tampa the next day. But that night, around eight thirty, when 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 he went went into that little media trailer and addressed this, I thought that was going to be the last time he'd ever set foot in yeah. in, in Piscataway, you know, as Rutgers coach. I never, and I know his name was uh, mentioned, you know, at, at various points, you know, you know, for for, for the vacancy, even in two thousand sixteen. I just, I never saw it. I never thought he was coming back. And, you know, until obviously in the last couple of months when, when we all, everyone thought that he was the ideal candidate. But I still am truthfully, you know, having covered this for a long time and just remembering uh, the way he left. And I just, I, I'm still a little bit in disbelief. Funny, funny story about that, because we were on different teams back then. And I decided, because we had Lucci, he was in, he was in the room writing. I was like, all right, I'm going to stake him out because if he comes out that door, and tries to get into his car and leave. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the quote that. So I'm gonna beat Sars to the story. So I'm in the car. The door opens. He comes, you know, striding out like Greg does, and like head down, walking quickly. So I, of course, I like drop my computer, try to get out of the car, and I realize no, he's not walking to his car. He's walking straight at me. And of course, because it's Greg, I, I'm just convinced he's gonna yell at me or something. <laughs> Even back then, you're like, oh no, here he comes. So then he walks past me. He goes, he walks right into the the press room, gives a statement. And I'll never forget this. This is Greg Shannon in a nutshell. He comes out at the end of it. I'm walking with him to see, you know, just get a scene, try to get write the column about what happened. He bends over, picks up a piece of litter on the ground outside the health center and puts it in his pocket. And it just, it just struck me like the per, like there that's Greg. Like even even at the end, like he's leaving this thing. He's going to the NFL. The next day, he's still picking up garbage outside the health center because he is that uh, – uh, attention to detail. So there's a little story to end on. 
Guys, this has been a wild week. I appreciate all your help to get through this. I appreciate all the listeners, all the texters, everybody. We'll be at the press conference, and we're going to have another podcast to break it down. Maybe we'll even do an emergency one later in the week if we have the, uh, the time and resources to get it done. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.